around the world. The Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. David Langford here today. and We'd like to welcome you, as always, to The Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. Today is Tuesday, May the 18th, 2020. My, we're getting into the stretch of summer. I pray this will be a blessed summer for you, and I pray for all of us that we will certainly begin to experience Holy Ghost revival in the coming days. I'm praying, I am believing God for a sovereign and divine move of the Holy Ghost to touch us and to see a deluge, a freshet, a flood, an outpouring of the Spirit of God here in the time of the end. I do want to make mention of those uh, to you, uh, those who are not able to get direct television or the DISH network. We're on CTN, that's channel 376 on direct television, Tuesday nights at 10 o'clock, Wednesday evenings at 3 p.m. On the DISH network is channel 267. Again, it would still be 10 o'clock, Tuesday nights and 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoons. But now we're on the Word Network, and that has allowed us to be on a cable network, Cox, Charter, uh, Spectrum, uh, Time Warner, a plethora, 93 million homes have the Word Network in it, and that does not include the enormity of how far that goes around the world I want to say it was 4 million people in Italy alone, if I remember correctly. But it's just amazing. And uh, the Word Network carries us on Wednesday nights at 11.30 p.m. and Saturday mornings at 2 a.m. So DVR, the telecast, uh, you say 11.30 Wednesday night is late. Yeah, it's west, east coast here. I'm in the bed at that time. But people on the West Coast, it's only 8.30. And we're believing God to exponentially grow the ministry for the sake of winning souls. This is not about making a name. It's not about notoriety. It's about winning the lost. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you have cable in your home, look for the Word Network. And, of course, that will be Wednesday nights at 11.30 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. Saturday mornings early at 2 a.m. Because there's people who, is, who are drinking, partying, they're up late, it's late. But the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God can touch their hearts and prick their souls that they need to repent and come to the saving grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank those of you who support this ministry. I thank you so humbly and so graciously for what you do in giving to help us to go around the world, the voice of evangelism, and reach. What we pray for is reaching tens of thousands of souls. You say, that's impossible. Not with God. As Gabriel told Mary in 
Luke 1, 37, for with God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. And I believe that, that God can do anything. We're going to pick back up today in Acts chapter 10. I pray that yesterday's program inspired you, enlightened you, and showed you some things that we just haven't seen before concerning the infancy of the early church and how it began to grow. As I said, people will say, well, the church was birthed at Pentecost. That's not factual, factually true. It was just Messianic Jews, Jews converting to Christ. And you're going to see here in the Scriptures how they grappled with God saving and Holy Ghost baptizing Gentiles. They had an issue with this. Why? Religion. Religion always fights the genuine, bona fide, true work of God. God can't do it that way. God won't do it that way. God wouldn't bring these people in. God wouldn't save them. Or that attitude of, we're the true church. As I said with to you last week, I got an email. The true church is the church of Christ. I'm like, these people are, they're, they're, they're almost, well, they're, they're led to believe that, but that's not factual. This is what the Jews were saying. God's not going to deal with the Gentiles. Only us, only we're going to be saved. That was their disposition, ignorantly not knowing the truth. But see, God had a way of touching Peter's heart. Cornelius was a devout man of God, a devout man of God. And the Bible said he was devout, he feared God. With all of his house, so his whole household was a God-fearing household, he gave much alms to the people, and he prayed always to God. That's a Christian, folks. Now, the Jews didn't believe he was saved. They just didn't believe that. We're going to see that today as we seek to get through the remainder of this chapter. I'm going to pick it up today in verse 20. Acts chapter 10, verse 20. Peter has had the vision he has seen the vision concerning the four-footed beast of the earth, the wild beast, the creeping things, and the fowls of the air. At the same time, God has sent through Cornelius two household servants and a soldier, an Italian soldier, and they have now come. They're at Simon the Tanner's house, not Simon Peter. Peter was visiting Simon the Tanner's house. He was there upstairs on the balcony or I'm not going to get into the architect, but the flat roofs concerning how the, the people built homes back then. But he was up there. He, God gives him a vision. And he's showing him all these unclean animals. And he ties that into Gentiles and telling Peter, no, 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 no. Don't say they're unclean. These are my people. These are my sheep that you know not of. I have, I have another group of people that are already saved. But I'm going to bring, according to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15, 16, 17, I'm going to reconcile both Jews and Gentiles into one body, creating one new man, the man, Christ Jesus, the body, the church of the living God. So these two household servants and the, and the soldier are outside of Simon the Tanner's house, standing at the gate. While they're standing there, the Holy Ghost speaks to Peter. 
and said, Behold, three men seek thee. Now here in verse 20, Acts chapter 10, verse 20, Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Peter, go back with these men to Cornelius' house. Don't doubt anything. This is me. This is God. I have providentially sent these men to you to take you back to Cornelius because you're going to speak the word of the Lord to Cornelius and his household is going to receive the baptism and the Holy Ghost. Thus, he sends preachers to preach the gospel. So the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God says unto him, these men are here, they're now seeking you. Arise therefore, get thee down, get off the balcony, go down with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, this is Peter, behold, I am Peter, he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? I am the apostle Peter, Tell me why you have come to engage me. What's your purpose for being here? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Now that's a lot. Let's, let's unpack that quickly. I want to finish this up today. Cornelius, again, the two household servants and the soldier says, he is a centurion. He's a just man. He's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He believes in Jesus, the Lord's Christ. He believes in Elohim. He fears God. When you fear God, you have a relationship with God. And he's of a good report among the Jewish people. Now, they didn't believe he was saved. They didn't believe he was a part of God, but he was a good man from their perspective. They just said, well, he's a, he's a good guy. He doesn't harm us. He doesn't hurt, hurt us. But Cornelius had an encounter with an angel as well. Among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee and to his house and to hear words of thee. So the angel tells Cornelius what to do. Cornelius tells, tells the two household servants and the soldier, the Italian soldier, to go with them and to seek out Peter. Now they have encountered, now they have found Peter. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, the next day, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, you're going to find out those that accompanied Peter were other Jews. They went back with Peter. you got to figure there's a little suspicion, and Peter, no doubt, being a man that could you know, start a fight, like cutting off Malchus' ear when they tried to arrest Jesus. And so he says, I want me some bodyguards. Cornelius has sent his two household servants and sent a soldier, a bodyguard with them. I think I'd like to have me a few bodyguards go with me too back to Cornelius' house. So they went back to Joppa, from Joppa. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, 
And Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. So now Cornelius is excited. The apostle Peter is coming to my house. He is one of the first to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Cornelius is not sure what's going to happen. He does not know what God is about to do, but he knows God has heard his prayers. He knows that God is going to move in his life powerfully. He knows that the holy angel has told him, this is what you got to do. Get two household servants and the a soldier and send them to Joppa, and you're going to find this man called Simon Peter, the apostle Peter, and Simon's the tanner's house. And I'm going to bring all this together, says God, and you're going to receive Cornelius. So Cornelius and both Peter are obedient, still not quite sure, still not quite certain as to what God is doing. There have been times in my life when God was doing things, opening doors, bringing people into my life, and I was somewhat skeptical, uncertain, uh, apprehensive, not, not knowing, not sure what God was doing. Because like I said, 98, 1998, I was told by the Lord to walk by faith, trust in him, and be led by the Holy Ghost. And that's really where I'm living my life for the most part right now. So Cornelius brings all of his kinsmen, his whole household, and his near friends, close friends. He brought them all to his house. In verse 25, and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Now, here again, Cornelius is young in the Lord. He doesn't know a lot of things, but he knows God. He's a Christian. He, let me say it like this. He was a believer. They were first called Christians, the Bible says, at Antioch. See, that you'll find that in uh, Acts 11, verse 26. They were called Christians first in Antioch. So you, you, Cornelius wasn't even deemed as the term Christian. He was just a believer in Elohim, God, God. So when Peter walks in, he knows Peter is special because God gives him a vision of Peter and says, you got to go get this man. So his humanity, in his humanity, he prostrates, falls down, and, and worships Peter. But Peter took him up. He grabbed him quickly by the hand and pulled him right back up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. See, he wouldn't suffer that. He wouldn't tolerate that. He knew it wasn't right. Only Jesus Christ served, deserves true Holy Ghost Spirit-filled worship. And he was not going there. So he quickly grabs Cornelius by the hand and says, Stand up. No, no, you, you, you can't do that. Verse 27, And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. Again, it's Cornelius family, and Cornelius' dear and near friends. And he said unto them, Ye know that it is unlawful, it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, 
Peter is understanding the vision. He's understanding the revelation. Now, to show you the arrogancy, the pride of the Jewish people, they deemed it unlawful. Unlawful what? For a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God, see, here's now God is changing the Apostle Peter's mind. He's trying to re-educate him. That's probably a poor choice of word. Uh, But he's trying to relearn him about what he's about to do concerning the Gentile nations and the Jewish people, bringing them together, making one new man in Christ. And he has showed me. Peter said, God has showed me, I cannot call Gentile people common or unclean. Again, remember, Peter had been hungry. It's 12 o'clock noon, and God gives him this vision of all of these unclean beasts. He's trying to teach him something here. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. In other words, I come, I'm not critical, I'm not lambasting, I'm not finding fault. I came because God showed me this. And as soon as I was sent for, I knew I must do this. Now, what was Peter doing? He was being led by the Holy Ghost. Remember, early on, the Spirit spoke to him and said, Behold, three men seek thee. That was the Holy Ghost, Spirit. Spirit of God spoke to him. And I was sent for. And because God has already told me, I'm here to do God's business. I ask, therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me? Now, Peter also does not fully understand why God has sent him to Cornelius. Remember, Cornelius is a just man. He's a devout man. He gives much alms. He prays all the time. God says, I want you to go to his house. Why? Peter still does not understand because he's limited in that, wait a minute, I'm a Jew. You're a Gentile. We're not supposed to have fellowship. Yet I recognize God has sent me to you, but what's the purpose? Oh, because when I get through ministering, or before I even get through ministering, the Holy Ghost is going to fall on you, and you're going to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Are you kidding me? The Gentiles are going to get the same blessing the Jews have received? That's right. Thus God is no respecter of persons. Now look at verse 30. We're in Acts chapter 10, verse 30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour this very time that he's there in Cornelius' house. And at the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. That was the angel that come and said to Cornelius, your prayers have become a memorial. And they've come up before God. And God's going to honor your prayers, your devotedness to me, your giving alms, your your continuous prayer life, I'm going to do something in your life dynamically. This is what God is assuring Cornelius of. And Cornelius rehearses what the angel has said to him in verse 31. And Cornelius said, and said Cornelius, 
He's talking about the angel. Thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. There's nothing that you ever do for the for the kingdom of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ that is spurned, rejected, scoffed, mocked, ridiculed, or whatever, God always honors that which you do for him. You may not get a revelation. You may not get a vision. You may not get a visitation from a preacher, but it does not take away that God is not honoring your prayers. Remember, your prayers, your prayers are the incense for the altar of God. I said your prayers are the incense for the altar of God. This is why when we pray, we are providing incense for God. I wonder not only how much of a memorial it was to God, Jehovah, how much of Cornelius' prayers was incense. You've heard me give you this verse, Revelation 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, full of odors. What are those odors? Incense. Golden vials full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers that you pray become the incense for the altar of incense. That's powerful. All right. Verse 31. And said, Cornelius, thy prayer, this is the angel, and, and, and Cornelius is rehearsing what the holy angel said to him. Thy prayer is heard, thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. What is God remembering? Not only his prayer, but God is remembering his giving. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't preach that garbage. We don't even ask for money here at the Voice of Evangelism. When the money no longer comes in, I will retire and go my way. I am not going to fall into that trap. I saw a guy yesterday. I'm not speaking to everyone, but there are those watching me. God says you need to sow a $500 seed of faith in this ministry. That's hogwash. It's just, it's just, it's just garbage. You give because you love God. You love God. You give. You become a giver. Thy alms are had in remembrance. It was not just his prayer life. It was the sacrificial giving. And he was probably so blessed being a centurion, it, it didn't hurt him to give abundantly. But he gave all the time, the Bible said. He gave much alms to the people, always sowing into God's kingdom. And God didn't forget it. You reap what you sow. Remember, you got to understand the what's going on here. you got, you got to understand the context. The Holy Ghost has been poured out in Acts chapter 2, on Jewish people. This man is a Gentile, and God's going to give him the same identical blessing that they receive, and the Jews initially are going to buck it. They're going to oppose it and say, this ain't right. That's what they were saying. This ain't right. But God said, no, no, no. This is a man of God too. I love him. He prays. He loves me. He gives much alms into the kingdom of God, and I'm going to honor him. 
verse 32. Here's what the angel told Cornelius. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. So now all this has come full circle. Cronius has sent two household servants and a soldier to Simon the tanner's house. They've engaged the apostle Peter. Peter now has come back and he brought other men with him. He brought other men with him. Certain brethren, it says there in verse 23. So now we've got a, we got a pretty a, a number of people together because God's getting ready to do something. So as Cornelius rehearses his vision with the angel, he said immediately, verse 33, immediately therefore I sent to thee and thou hast well done that thou art come. He recognizes Peter's obedience. Now therefore, are we all here present? What do we have here? Cornelius, household, kinsmen, other near, dear friends. You have Peter. Peter brought brethren with him. So you have a pretty uh, sizable group there. Now, verse 33, Now therefore we are all here present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We're here to hear, thus saith the Lord from the apostle Peter. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. This is where religious people miss it. You got to do this. You got to do that. This is the formula. This is the way. No, that's wrong. That's not right either. You got to do this. God's Peter, now his, his mind is illuminated. He says, wait a minute. God is not respecting us Jews, greater, higher, esteeming them more than Gentiles. But you got to remember, it all started with Jewish people. John 4, 22, salvation is of the Jews. It came through the Jewish people. Every, every Bible that you read, every book is, is written by Jewish men. I said every every Bible verse that you read is written by Jewish men. Now I know there are those who hate that, they loathe that, they despise that. Can't help that. Even Paul in his epistle to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there in circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that Unto them were committed the oracles of God. God's word was committed to the Jewish people. Jesus came through Jewish people. He was God, conceived of the Holy Ghost, but in his human pedigree, he came through Jewish people. All right, Peter said, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. In other words, what God has done for the Jewish people, God will also do for the Gentile people. 
The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Lord of all. Why does Peter say he's Lord of all? Because he's the Lord of the Gentiles as well. He's the Lord of the Gentile people as well. Every nation. See? In every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. What does that mean? This is why I tell you people miss it. See? God's no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth God, in every nation, he that worketh righteousness is accepted with him. God has saved them. God has forgiven them. God has redeemed them. But as of yet, they didn't know anything about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But they were saved. Now, you'll have people tell you, no, they weren't. You'll have people tell you, if you don't do this, this, and that, or this, and this, and thus, you're not saved. No, you got it wrong because you're in error in regards to God's word. Every nation, Italy, France, wherever, Asia Minor, every nation, Peter says, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted by God. That's beautiful. Now, there'll be those who say, well, wait a minute. They hadn't done this yet. They hadn't done that yet. See, your preaching works. Your preaching works. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. In other words, he's the Lord of all the Gentiles and all the Gentile nations. And he's going to bring believers in through them. Verse 37, that word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. John baptized Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now the gospel is being preached into all nations. Jesus says here, if you believe, you repent, you're going to be saved. Nothing else was added. Repent, believe, you're saved. Acts 2, 21, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say you have to do anything else. Just call upon God. And calling upon God, you believe he is God. When calling upon God, you believe he is the Savior. And when calling upon God, you believe he can forgive you of your sins. And thus you become born again. You don't have to do anything else to be saved. Whatever else you do, you're doing because you are saved. Of course, they'll have you jumping through this hoop and that hoop and jumping over this and jumping over that and say, now you're finally saved. Baloney. And what was Jesus preaching? Luke 4, 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Peter's going to reiterate all of that here in Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. 
Peter is reiterating Act, excuse me, Luke 4.18. That's what Peter's doing here. Verse 39, we are witnesses of all things which he both did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. I kind of like that phrase, they. Uh, we. Because Peter was Jewish. Now, he didn't want Christ to die or be crucified or any of those things. So he says, whom they slew and hang on a tree. Because he, he wasn't literally a part of that. He tried to keep that from happening, but he wasn't savoring the things of God because he was carnally minded. Verse 40, him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. See, Jesus manifest himself from the dead, ate with the apostles, the disciples. They saw him. Uh, Paul the Apostle says there in 1 Corinthians 15, of over 500, he said, and, and most of them are alive and remain to this day, but a few have fallen asleep. But there are still many who physically saw Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Verse 41, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. There was a, a select group that witnessed the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. These are witnesses. Peter is very distinct here. He says, chosen before of God. God had already predetermined, God had already chosen who would see him after his death, burial, and resurrection and see him in his glorified body. And he said, we did eat and drink with him after he was raised from the dead. We see that many times after the resurrection. Won't get into all of that, but you know they did eat and drink with him. John chapter 20 on the seashore, Jesus had fixed bread and fish, and they come in and they eat and all of those things. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Jesus Christ will judge the quick. The word quick means the living and the dead, whether dead in Christ or remaining dead in their trespasses and dead in their sins. They too will be judged by the same righteous judge, Jesus Christ, which was ordained of Elohim to be the judge of quick and dead. Paul the apostle used the same terminology, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in kingdom. Now, you got to understand that verse. He judges the living and the dead in Christ at his appearing. But following his millennial kingdom reign, he will judge the wicked dead. So he's judging both righteous dead and wicked dead. But that span is a thousand years span between the judgment of the righteous and the judgment of the wicked. Again, that happens at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. And to give all the prophets witness. In other words, God is going to give witness that what the prophets preached was truth. 
This is, God's going to do things in the millennial kingdom, even the fact of the things that God's doing now is witness to what God spoke through the prophets. The things we are witnessing, you and I are witnessing. What God is doing in the earth is witness to what the prophets prophesied, that through his name, Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. I want to stop there. Why do people want to make it so arduous and so difficult? That through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive forgiveness. That's what the word remission, forgiveness of sins. Now, where does it say you've got to do anything else to be saved? It doesn't. We. This is why when I get ready to start teaching this justification by faith, you're going to realize there's not one, you a grain of sand. You can't do nothing relative to having a part in your forgiveness, your redemption, your reconciliation unto God. There's nothing you can do. And people who preach that are preaching a lie. And I'm going to be very adamant about that. See, how do you reconcile this simple phrase here in Acts 10, 43, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. Believe, repent, and you know what? You are forgiven of your sins. End of, end of works, salvation, that's, that's the end of it. Now, you go on and you do things, that authenticate, that validate you are saved, that you are a child of God. Don't let nobody put this garbage around your neck that you got to do thus and thus and this and this and jump over this hoop or through this hoop and jump through that hoop and, and jump this hurdle and that hurdle. Don't, don't listen to that stuff. If you grow in grace and in knowledge, grace, grow in grace, not grow in works, grow in grace. And what is grace? It's the mercy and forgiveness of God concerning redemption and reconciliation and restoration in any person's life. And the, the Jewish church, if I can use that term, was grappling. You mean God's going to save Gentiles and give them the Holy Ghost too? Well, this just can't be right. So God has to give Peter a vision of all the unclean animals because Peter said it, the scriptures declare it, the Jewish people perceived that the Gentile nations were common and they were unclean people. Well, all of us were that. But because the covenant was made with Abraham, the Jewish people thought, well, we're something special. They are in a sense, but it's all the cross for redemption for all mankind. Now, here I love this in verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. Did you get that? Peter is preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost falls on all of these Gentiles, and I believe 
on the same Jewish people that were in the same crowd, they got a refilling, they got a rebaptizing of the Holy Ghost while they heard the same words that Peter spoke. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. The same kinsman, the same faction that Peter brought with him from Joppa to Caesarea, they all, Cornelius' kinsmen, Cornelius' friends, Paul's compa- uh, Peter's companions that traveled with him, they all heard the same word. I believe the Holy Ghost fell on all of them too. It was a great Holy Ghost service. It was a deluge, a great Holy Ghost service in Cornelius' house. And they of the circumcision, they which were Jews, they which were Judaizers, which believed were astonished. What is he telling you there? Believing messianic Jews. Circumcision. Anytime you see the word circumcision, he's talking about Jewish people who are trying to espouse, advocate, appropriate the Mosaic law. You see, religion always tries to promote something about themselves and what they do. Well, we we got circumcised. That saves us. Are you kidding me? Go back and read uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. It's now circumcision of the heart and not the foreskin of a man. You got to understand, these people have a mindset that now must be groomed. It must be cured from this sickness of religion. God is a healer of those who've been terribly negatively influenced by religion. And they of the Jews, they of the circumcision, which believed. See, they were believers, but they were of Judaism. They were astonished. What were they astonished? Are you kidding me? You mean God is giving them the baptism and the Holy Ghost like he gave us on the day of Pentecost? You got it. You got it. Got the same identical divine blessing, baptism in the Holy Ghost. Now, what made them come to that point? What brought them to that measure of understanding? He says right there in verse 45, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They're they're standing there. Cornelius is speaking in tongues. Cornelius' household servants are speaking in tongues. Cornelius' kinsmen are speaking in tongues. Cornelius' friends are speaking in tongues. And Peter and those he brought with him from Joppa are saying, My God, these men have got the Holy Ghost just like we got the Holy Ghost. Remember previously, Peter said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. You see, when you preach religion and formulas, you're not preaching Jesus. You're preaching denominationalism. You're preaching institutionalism. Uh, You're preaching religion. That doesn't work. I'm not saying these people are not saved. They are saved, but they're preaching, they're advocating, they're appropriating something that is not accurate again. How God allows flawed men to preach a perfect gospel. What made them know 
that these Gentiles had received the same blessing of God? What made them know that God was no respecter of persons? What made them understand that God was going to treat the Gentiles just like he was treating the Jewish people? What, what was the evidence? What was the evidence that God was doing this? Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. They were speaking in tongues. They were worshiping, magnifying, lauding, extolling, and praising God. Isn't that beautiful? Where was it happening at? In Cornelius' house. You see, initially Peter says, I can't mess with no Gentile. They're common, they're unclean. They're filthy. You see, religion, and I, I, I'm telling you, you probably understand this and know this by now, I hate religious mindsets. I don't hate the people, but I hate the, the, the decrepitness, the crookedness of their mindset. I, I've, I, I've been around a lot of preachers, denominations, organizations. And now that I've been out now for 20 years, I've been out of the church of God, I've been out of denomination for 20 years. I've been out nearly a third of my life. It took me getting out to realize, my God, we, we're, we're some crazy people. We're, we're, we are some crazy people. You cannot see that as long as you're in that arena. That arena will not, allow you to see outside of it. And of course, if you disagree with them, they throw you out. Well, that shouldn't bother you. Everybody that's been righteous and godly and serving Lord, they've been thrown out of denominationalism. I mean, look at Martin Luther. I had a lady wrote me a letter. She eviscerated me. I, you know, I preached and I talked about Martin Luther and his 95 Theses. And she wrote me a letter and she said, yeah, and Martin Luther was this and Martin Luther was that and run off with a nun. He was an adulterer. What he done, he got married. <laughs> you see, he saw other things. I got, a, I got a physical need in my life. It's not good that man should be alone. By the way, that was in the Garden of Eden. We didn't know we're near close to a Mosaic law. Martin Luther said, I'm going to get married now because this is crazy that you can't marry. I mean, that's why God made women. The man was made first. The woman was made for the man. All this is in the Bible. People just don't bother to read it. They, they, they don't bother to look at it because that, they, don't, they, they don't want to change. See, religious people do not want to change. They want to remain in their religion, in their mindset, and they don't want to change. The Jewish people did not want to change. you got Jewish people today who still have not changed. And they're, they're, regrettably, they won't change until Jesus Christ returns. They're not going to do it. 1 Corinthians 11, 9, Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Stop right there. Religion says this is the only way it can be done. God says, nope. I'm going to do it all sorts of ways. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered, then said Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, 
which have received the Holy Ghost as well. I'm going to make a statement. I'm not going to pontificate or elaborate on it. These people received the Holy Ghost. These people were speaking in other tongues. They had the gift of the Spirit, and yet they had not yet been water baptized. Now, how are you going to argue with that? Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now, you've got to also understand these are Gentiles. They received the Holy Ghost, but they ain't been water baptized. Why were they water baptized? Answer the question, why were they water baptized? They had the Holy Ghost. So is water baptism needful? No, sure not. Water baptism is not needful for salvation. If you believe you can speak with other tongues and not be saved, you are in bad spiritual condition. These Gentiles were saved. Cornelius was already saved before he got the baptism in the Holy Ghost because his prayers were, uh, 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 were honored by God because he was a devout, a just man. He feared God. So Peter says, whoa, 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 whoa. These people that are Gentile that I have deemed in my life is common and unclean, filthy. God's given them the Holy Ghost. Is the reason why we can't baptize them in water? Because they, they've got the Holy Ghost. Any way you look at it, they got the Holy Ghost. Were they going to lose the Holy Ghost because they were not water baptized? Absolutely not. But they got water baptized because they had the Holy Ghost, and they were redeemed, and they were saved. So they wanted to be baptized. Why? Now that they can be identified as the servants of Jesus the Lord's Christ. Because Paul in Acts 19 says, whose baptism were you baptized unto? Those Ephesians said John the Baptist. Peter, uh, Paul said, his was one of water under repentance. But Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John the Baptist said, Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And while Peter yet spake these words, verse 44 Acts 10, 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon them which heard the word of God. They start magnifying God and speaking in other tongues. Were they water baptized yet? No. Do you think they were saved? Only saved people can receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's why first you must be born again. Salvation is always first. You can't get the Holy Ghost without being saved. You can't bypass redemption. You can't bypass Calvary. You got to go to Calvary first. Now, I know there are those who preach a different message. It's, it's not the message of Christ, but, but every, even the Holy Ghost, listen to me. I'm, I'm going to close here. The Holy Ghost is based upon what Christ did on the cross. You couldn't get the Holy Ghost without the cross. I said, you can't receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost without the cross. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter, but I got to die. I got to be crucified. I got to be raised from the dead. 
and I'm going to go back to the Father, and I'm going to pray the Father send you another comforter. You couldn't have the Holy Ghost without Calvary. I'm telling you, folks, religious people scare me. I mean, we all read the same Bible. I said we all read the same Bible, but we come up with so many skewed interpretations. We come with so many skewed representations. These people were saved, and they believed God, but they hadn't gone on to the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. And when they heard the word, Peter was preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. How do you know that? I just read it. Jesus, whom they slew, hung on a tree. God raised again the third day, showed him openly. You see, Peter preaches Calvary first. Then they receive the Holy Ghost. But these people were already saved. Now, don't misunderstand me. Some of the near friends that, 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 that Cornelius may have brought in were not saved, but they got saved. And they went all the way to the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And they weren't none of them water baptized yet. They got water baptized because they were saved. They got water baptized because they did have the Holy Ghost. Because water baptism, as I said, is about identification. Identification. That's why Paul said, whose baptism were you baptized unto? They said, John the Baptist. So John preached repentance. And John preached the baptism in the Holy Ghost, but he preached the baptism in the Holy Ghost at another time, another dispensation. And when would that be? That would be after Calvary. That would be after Jesus is raised from the dead. Again, water baptism is about identification. Of course, as I said, many won't believe that, many won't receive that, but I can't help that. See? I I I can't I, I can't make people believe what they don't want to believe. All I can do is like the Apostle Peter, preach the word and trust that they will receive the revelation of Christ our Lord. First Corinthians ten two, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. You might say the cloud represented the Holy Ghost. You might say that the sea represented water baptism. I want to close today. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Why? Identification with Jesus Christ. They were Gentiles, though. See? Wasn't hard for them to embrace it. But it was hard for the Jews to embrace Jesus because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. wasn't hard for the Gentiles because they didn't have a religious mindset or belief system established yet. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Peter, don't leave us. We love this. You coming, ministering to us. God pours out the Holy Ghost. We're having church. People are getting saved. People are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't this beautiful? Stay with us a few days. See, this is, this is what church is about. This is the kind of fellowship I was talking about, not coffee, lattes, and donuts. They weren't there for camaraderie. They, they were there to receive from God. 
And here's God in his gracious mercy, long-suffering, dealing, dealing with Jews on one side, Gentiles on the other, and see how God now is establishing one new man in Christ, Peter being a Jew, Cornelius being a Gentile, and God is bringing it all together in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I'm telling you, God has a magnificent plan. God has a gracious, gracious plan for your life. I'll probably cease now here in the book of Acts unless I feel led by the Holy Ghost to go there, continue on there. But if not, we're going to pick up the series or start the series, Justification by Faith. Justification by Faith. It is my my prayer that these teachings, uh, these last three weeks, beginning back, we started in May the 3rd, and today's May the 18th. I pray these teachings on prayer and ministry of the Word and the early church have been a blessing to you. I think you know I don't have an agenda. If I had an agenda, I would be trying to espouse this or that. But I too, like the Apostle Peter, am just trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. God knows why I'm preaching what I'm preaching because he knows those who need to hear it. They need to hear the fundamental, elementary, simple truth that they can understand. This is the way of salvation. It's not complicated. But see, religion gets in the way. So God has to give the apostle Peter a vision of unclean things because Peter perceived all Gentiles to be unclean. They can't get saved. They can't get the Holy Ghost. But see, God confirmed Peter's preaching because the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the Word of God. While Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Isn't that beautiful? While Peter yet spake, these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.